Kindled Podcast is brought to you by the generous support of our donors. If you want to join them in making this show possible, visit kindledpodcast.com slash give. Welcome back to another episode of Kindled Podcast, a show about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I'm your host, Haley Williams. Join me as I talk with women just like you. They are entrepreneurs, corporate employees, stay-at-home moms, and everything in between. We chat about work, mom life, and how God's grace is transforming us through our unique and beautiful stories. Love for God and perseverance for our assignments is kindled in our hearts as we look to Him and preach the gospel to ourselves and each other. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hey guys, welcome back to Kindled Podcast. You're listening to episode 51. I want to thank our sponsor for today, SEO Made Simple. Today, I am going to be chatting with Rebecca Brown. Now, Rebecca is my personal CPA and tax strategist. Now, Rebecca owns a business here in Kansas City called Strategic Tax Partner. And basically what she does is helps her clients keep more of their hard-earned money with comprehensive tax planning services. Now, before you freak out and worry that this episode is going to be totally over your head or totally boring, I want to assure you that Rebecca has an incredible way of dialing this overwhelming information down into bite-sized pieces. Now, I did a survey of my audience from the 2018 year, and 75% of the people that responded to that survey said they were entrepreneurs. So that means you guys are dealing with this stuff every year. And even if you don't own a business, you still have to pay taxes. Two things are for sure, right? Death and taxes. We also chat about finding your passion and what you're good at, really honing in on your strengths, hiring people, how she reinvented her business by changing the business model and how that just completely revolutionized her business and her clients' experiences. So there's a lot of other stuff in here that I know you guys are going to love. I handed over all of my books to her this year, this past year, a few months ago, actually, and I have never felt better in my life. And she is not paying me for this episode. I just want to say up front, like she's, this is, I'm purely wanted to interview her because she has so significantly changed the way that I run my business. So I really am excited for you guys to get to hear from her. Okay. Here is my conversation with Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Haley, for having me. So um, just to introduce you, you are my new tax strategist and planner. I don't even know what your official title is that I should... How should I introduce you to people? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, You know, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I call myself tax planner, but there's sometimes a lot of you know, misunderstanding about what that means. So Mm -hmm. the tax reduction strategist or tax strategist seems to be the most popular way to describe me. But I would say that we specialize in tax reduction strategies. And that's usually how I point it out Mm -hmm. to people. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. So and I just so the audience knows, I heard about your services in your business through my brother, Christian, who's been working with you for a while, um, because he also has a business. You know, and I think he told me about you probably six months ago, but I did not register in my mind. I just like when he was describing what you did, I think I didn't have a category for it. Like I I sort of have only ever worked with, in regards to my business taxes, someone that I just like kind of, we deliver our financials every year. They tell us what we owe or what we're going to get back and that's it. And so it's just been a very like turnkey thing. I didn't even realize 
there was an entire industry around tax strategy and tax planning. I had no, I had no idea. Is that something that you run into a lot in your industry and your work? This is really kind of a brand new area. Um, In the past, and this is why it's confusing for people, but in the past, most CPAs have really focused on tax preparation and a lot of the compliance work, you know, payroll reporting and, and sales tax and things like this. And really, one of the reasons that this is emerging is that our technology's gotten better. And so CPAs are starting, those who have embraced technology, CPAs are starting to have some time freed up. And this is what our clients have been asking for forever. You know, we we don't want to pay, help, help me pay less in taxes is really, isn't that like the most, one of the most important things clients want. And now for myself, you know, I've been freed up to really explore that and create a system around it and really figure it out. Like, how can I really um, not only uh, figure out the strategy for the client, but then help them implement it. And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it's evolved. Okay. So it isn't that shocking that I wouldn't have heard of it yet. So it's newer. No, I don't even know of another one around town. So yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better because I was like, maybe I just completely am out of the loop here or uninformed as a business owner, which would not be the most shocking thing ever. But, um, but yeah, so I, when I discovered you and, and started to really see what was possible when I was a little more proactive um, in the way I manage my business finances, it's been you know really eye-opening to see what is possible. So I would love to kind of um, get into that in a minute, but um, could you start off by telling us what your, what does family look like for you? What is your family like? Yeah, I would, I would love to. Um, actually, um, my immediate family uh, is my two pug dogs. Okay. <laughs> I have uh, Jack and Ace. They're my, my little boys. And um, I have two sisters here in Kansas City. My parents um, live here locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have been married for 50 years now. Um, so for myself, I chose, I chose to opt out of the, the kids. And so, um, but I got a, have had a great opportunity, you know, being there for my nephews who are now in their twenties, but you know, been, uh, they've been a big part of my life as well. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that, that's, that's my, so, you know, my background. So yeah, cool. Um, and how long have you been in Kansas City your whole life? Is this where you're from? It is where I'm from. Yeah, I was okay. born here, actually, in this this part of town, the north north part. So, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then I know I've already given a little bit of a hint, but can you talk more about what your work actually is? What does your what is your work, and how does it how does it work? <laughs> yeah, sure, I'd love to, Haley. So, really, what what we do is we focus on reducing, helping people reduce their taxes and everything else that we offer in in our services is really kind of in place to support that work. Um, And I can kind of, if I go back to like when I started my practice and really before even some of the technology took off, um, the experience really was that um, a lot of clients were doing their own bookkeeping, um, using QuickBooks. You know, back in the 90s, QuickBooks marketed really hard for uh, well, anybody can use the software and do the do the do the bookkeeping and and all of that. And from an accountant's perspective, and I think most uh, accountants would agree, I've often not not for everyone, but for many businesses, it didn't serve them. 
you know, what actually ended up the, the real result that people got was inaccurate numbers and not timely enough to really help them with the bigger, the bigger work that, you know, like saving taxes, you can't save taxes if we don't have the right numbers to work with to try to strategize that. Right. So it really held a lot of business owners back. And really the first uh, few years of my practice was supporting clients to move from that space to having some good books and, and really getting things in, in order. And it took, it took a while to get everyone sort of moved into that. And then once that occurred and the technology helped to make that possible, then I could start looking at some of the, the more valuable services and, and start to, to provide those. So, so that's now where we're focusing is on the, the tax reduction and, mm-hmm. um, really being holistic with our clients. So we're going deep with each individual business. We are actually just focusing with business owners and investors and not grow. We're not taking on like large, you know, large volumes of clients. You know, we really have a passion for going deep with each client and supporting them fully mm-hmm. to, to have the, you know, to, to really succeed where they want to succeed. And so, yeah. That's something that um, is definitely noticeably different from my past experience with other tax professionals. Uh, I got a sense, you know, when I started on with somebody, like there was a lot of care and a lot of like communication. And then the longer your tenure as a client, it was like you heard from them less and less. They were less responsive, less available. And, you know, it's because the business model, I think to a large degree, just doesn't serve that kind of relationship that would that you're describing that is like going deep, being able to offer that kind of attention or level of detail. And so what I love about what you did is like you took the industry and kind of like reversed it in a way you turned it on its head and were like, well, okay, if I want to solve this problem, I've got to do things differently. I can't keep running my business the same way that everybody else is. So is that like, did you see that really clearly as early on as you were starting your business or you know, did it take you a while to figure out that you had to do things differently? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think like most people, when you start a business, this this would speak to anyone in business. You're just trying to get customers in the door, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. you're just trying to get profitable. You're just trying to make some money and you have a lot of time, right? And so starting out, I didn't see, I, you know, I, I didn't see that. I was just sort of kind of making the same mistakes that many business owners and especially accountants make, which is uh, reacting to whatever shows up, you know? So, um, you know, I put, you, you put your shingle out and you wait for the phone to ring. Yeah. And as soon as somebody calls with a problem, you help figure out how to help them solve it. And what ends up happening if, you know, if you, if a CPA or in any business owner stays in that space, you're very limited in what you can really provide somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like just putting fires out and reacting. And and then if you're if that's the business model to stay there, and then you add volumes of clients to that, mm-hmm. uh, what ends up happening is you you know high anxiety, lots of hours, uh, sometimes many times working for free. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just pulling your hair out, and it's not really, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, why am I doing this? I'm working twelve-hour days, and and I'm making very little money, and it's not working. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a moment for me when I realized that this, yeah, this business model does not work, and. Mm-hmm. 
I needed to make a change to to how I was presenting things. And it really, I will tell you, E-Myth has been a great, that's kind of been the resource that got me started was Michael Gerber's E-Myth, which is really about creating systems inside of the practice to support your um, services and customers and getting really clear about what I do and what I don't do. Mm, So I've never heard of that. Is it? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So I need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Gerber E Myth. Um, you can find it on Amazon, and, and yeah. this this book's been around for a while. So he's even evolved it to where there's books out there for different industries. So he's got an E Myth for accountants, for example, and there's E Myth for lots of other industries. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that are more specific to them, and that really showed me that. I needed to get clear on what I don't do and start mm-hmm. to say no and, mm-hmm. you know, start to really only take on what I was willing to do. Like, what, what do I really want to do? What am I passionate about? And then mm-hmm. get, get uh, focused, I guess, is really. Yeah. Well, I love what you're, what you're talking about because there is so, that is such a classic problem for entrepreneurs, especially people who are multi-passionate like me. I mean, who might be good at multiple things. And it's really, really hard to say no when you know you can do something. Doesn't mean you should do something. And like you said, getting clear on what you don't do and saying no, which requires you, like you just also mentioned, to know what you are passionate about and what you do love. And that can be you know, a long journey for some of us. Like It's not always something you figure out in school or right after graduation. I mean... I certainly, you know, didn't know while I was in college what I was passionate about. And even in my first job, still didn't know what I was passionate about. In my second job, third job was like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of doing things I'm good at. I'm acquiring skills. I'm, you know, trying new things. And ultimately, that led to me even selling a business that I had started that I was no longer passionate about. So I totally get that it's not an instantaneous thing. But how did you as an entrepreneur and as a business owner, kind of cultivate an understanding of what you were passionate about? Like what, what did you see in yourself or the way you were running your business that you were like, this is what I want to do more of? Yes. For me, actually, it took a lot. I mean, I've been in business for over 13 years. And so it's been quite a journey to get there. And really only in the last you know few years has this really emerged. Mm-hmm. But what I was init- initially... I was looking at my practice and I was really just kind of identifying the things that weren't working mm-hmm. and just trying to to change those things, right? Um, because what that does is then that starts to free up the energy and the time to start to really think about what do I love? I think for a lot of business owners, you get so burdened by, you know, you get lost in working in the business and mm-hmm. just trying to make ends meet and all of that, that you don't have the energy to think about what you're passionate about. And it, and this is where a lot of people get stuck. Mm-hmm. And what I found is the, the most important thing I needed to do was free up space. Mm-hmm. I needed to free up time and space to, to dream a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And so I really, the first thing for me was to start to block some time on my calendar that was for vision, you mm-hmm. know? And really vision started, like I said, with just identifying what's not working and what can I do to change it, which is really working on my business rather than working in it. So I'm not preparing a tax return. I'm not doing payroll, but I'm thinking about how can I change my whole structure, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I just would start to identify something and, and, and implement and then evaluate. Oh, you know, 
this this is this has worked fantastically. You know, clients are are well served. Um, you know, everyone's happy, and my life's easier. And then you know, so then after you know, as as this progression happened over the years it opened up more and more and more space. And Mm -hmm. so then it gave me the ability to really ask clients, what is it that is missing here in this relationship? Mm -hmm. What would you like to have happen? And I I had the time to to, to digest that, you know, and really two things that kind of came up in the conversations. One was we want more help reducing taxes or we want more help planning. And two they wanted uh, transparency in the billing, mm. which was an interesting one, but very important. And also it was one I had high anxiety over because I, in the past when I was just kind of taking on whatever walked in the door and it was lots of different things, I didn't have a pricing structure. Right. You can't, Literally, right. I'm looking up at the ceiling and going, ah, well, maybe this much, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and hoping it's enough <laughs> and often working longer hours than it was worth and all of that and I thought, well, I'll chalk it up to learning, you know. So, um, so How those many service providers have done that for like their entire business. I mean, we get stuck yeah. in that. I mean, I've been, been in that spot with web design before I set, you know, standardized pricing for some of my packages. And I still offer some custom options, obviously, but, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you're just like, well, I'm going to just make it up. And then there's always a reason why it wasn't enough. Like in your, in your mind as an entrepreneur, like you're always like, well, that's because this one thing happened and it shouldn't have happened. It's not the norm. It won't happen again. And then of course it always does happen. Some version of that, like the, the scope creep, you know, it, it gets out of it. Yeah. That just, it's so familiar to so many of us, but yeah. yeah, that does kind of lead into like your, how you, how you address that problem. So you can talk about what, yeah. what was the solution that you found? Well, here was the deal. You know, I, I, as I was starting to try to free up space, one of the things that usually comes up is I need to hire, you know? So I started hiring people and in my ignorance or just, you know, n- you know, lack of experience leading other people, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of botched it up. You know, I had lots of high expectations for them. I needed them to take time off off my, I needed them to take duties off my plate, but they couldn't read my mind and I kind of thought they ought to. And, you know, it was just sort of a, you know, there was a disconnect and it wasn't working and it wasn't working for them. And I couldn't really keep an employee for very long, you know. And so then what happened is it would reinforce my belief structure that was, I need to do it all myself or yeah. it's not going to get done right. Yeah. And so it really was, I had a pivotal moment where I, where I was able to see that belief was holding me back. Right. And so when I was able to sort of, you know, identify that that was there and, and perhaps it was possible that that's not true and I could you know, experience it differently, Mm -hmm. then I realized that, well, first of all, it was all me, you know, I was me that had not trained well, it was me that had no systems in place, I had unrealistic expectations, and you can't just hire somebody and expect them to, you know, pop in and just do the work, you know. Mm -hmm. And so no, regardless of their education, you know, it's important that, that there's support there. So I actually took a year and I, there was a position I wanted to hire for that I had in the past hired for, which was to do all the bookkeeping. And I took a year and I did did it myself and I documented the procedures in, in detail, 
links and it was all inside of a software program and, mm-hmm. and, and everything. And I, once I knew it intimately and I knew how it should be done intimately and I had it documented, then I was ready to train somebody. And so then I brought somebody in and I spent the appropriate amount of time to train them to ensure that they could follow the system I'd created, make changes where needed, and then finally, you know, finally let them go a couple months in, into that. Mm-hmm. And this person's with me now, three and a half years later. Wow. <laughs> so it worked and it was really key. That that for me was a key pivotal moment to freeing up the space so that I could start to see where I was headed, you know, mm-hmm. see what I really was passionate about. Yeah, that's, uh, and that, I mean, that again crosses into virtually every industry because if you, yeah, like you said, when you aren't clear about expectations, when you don't actually put processes in place, it's only going to serve to kind of like uh, continue that belief that you're the only one that can do this. Nobody else can. You have to remain a solopreneur and you become the bottleneck to your own growth. And, you know, I've done the same thing with both my businesses, actually, with the Yellow Peony. Um, I did that. And I remember even like meeting with the buyer and she was like, so, you know, what, what are your, where are your processes like held? Where do I find how to make this piece, how to make that piece. And I was like, I don't know. It's in my head. I, I don't have that. I don't have yes. documentation of that. And she was like, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to change that. And luckily, the partner that I was using for a lot of my production was really good at that type of thing. So she worked with us in the transition to document all of the steps. And so it made me able to sell the business, honestly, because that those processes were in place. And it wasn't just like, well, this veil is as long as I think it should be, you know, or this flower is made. However, I think it looks good this time, you know? And so um, it was really eye-opening to me that I had kind of, you know, if I had figured that out sooner, I might not have been as stressed if I had been able to pass those off to other people. So, you know, no regret at all that I don't have it, but it was just like, oh, I guess that would have been helpful, you know, if I had had that. So, but yeah, like you said, we just don't want to stop long enough to do that. Cause we're, we're often so, especially when you are a solopreneur, your head is spinning in so many directions of all the things that need you. It's like, you really do have to be intentional with you. Like you said, making that space for vision and evaluation and kind of diagnosing what are the problem areas? Why isn't something working? And that, it, that can be hard to to make yourself stop long enough to actually do that. I agree. It took me a long time to get there, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it to do it. Uh, yeah. It's it's a game changer when you Absolutely. can. Yeah. I know this episode is so interesting, and that's why I want to talk to you about the sponsor that is making it possible, SEO Made Simple. Do you own a business and have killer services and a gorgeous website, but no traffic? Do you try to learn SEO, and that's search engine optimization, in case you were wondering, but get lost and intimidated almost immediately? If your answer is resounding yes, then I encourage you to check out SEO Made Simple. SEO Made Simple are monthly on-demand classes by SEO strategist Meg Clark of Clapping Dog Media. Meg makes SEO understandable and even fun. Meg has a class coming up on February 28th that all business owners should check out. I will be there learning from Meg all of her tips and tricks. I'm a web designer and I can tell you hiring an SEO expert to optimize your site for search engines costs thousands of dollars a month. I know because I've paid it and I've had clients that have paid it, but this masterclass 
is only $99. And when you use the coupon code Kindled, you will get $25 off, making it just $74. There are over 4 billion Google searches every day, and there's no reason your site shouldn't be getting found in search. Meg's teachings are going to show you exactly what you need to do to make sure you're getting found. I am so excited for this masterclass, you guys, and I would love to see you there. Go check it out at seomadesimple.co and remember to use the coupon code KINDLED for $25 off. That's seomadesimple.co. So then can you talk for a second about your business model and and how that differs from what was the price transparency? Like, how did you deal with that desire from your clients? Oh, that's a great question. So, um, well, so initially I made a list of all the services that we were providing currently, mm-hmm. you know, and I was surprised at how much was on that page of all the different things I've done for clients in the past or, you know, w- would say yes to or all that, you know. And then I identified what I was seeing from my surveys with clients or my, you know, talking with clients, what's important to them. And started to narrow it down. So, okay, if they want to save on taxes and they want more of my time for the planning piece, what else needs to happen Mm -hmm. to do that? And what can I, you know, do away with? Yeah. And I remember like initially, like I just said, okay, I'm not going to do not for profits anymore. I mean, like Mm -hmm. I was doing everything, you know. I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm going to work with, you know, for-profit businesses only, mm-hmm. right? And just narrow it down at least that far. And then I'm not going to do trust returns or estate tax returns. You know, I'm just going to do income tax returns and, you know, the support with that. And, you know, these were small steps, to be honest. But, you know, but I would, if, if I took on a not-for-profit and it's not what I do every day, it takes me a lot more time <laughs> to yeah. research and do it right. Uh, and so then I just started, you know, taking those things away. And then once I got it down to, okay, what do I do? Then I could start to think about structure for pricing. And I had already, you know, bookkeeping was like my first focus because again, doing planning doesn't happen without bookkeeping in place. Mm -hmm. So I started with that price structure first, you know, and how am I going to price bookkeeping? And, And, you know, I tried different things and finally did land on a transaction based pricing model. And, you know, some tiers within that and, and, and just had to test it, change it, test it, change it, you know. Mm-hmm. Once we kind of got that nailed, then we, we realized that we were interested in doing the books, the, we could offer payroll, we, and we figured out the pricing on it, and then, um, you know, tax preparation. And that was what we were going to do in addition to the tax reduction, right? Mm -hmm. And so once we kind of got to that point, I didn't have a mentor that did support in figuring out the monthly service agreement, but I was aware I needed to be on a monthly monthly service agreement. And here's why. And this is kind of something people don't often think about, but like in my industry, it's seasonal. Mm -hmm. So I've got, you know, a lot of money coming in during tax season and then, you know, not so much during the summer. And then I have a little spurt at extension time and then nothing over Christmas, you know? So very difficult to manage cash flow when it's like that. And so if you have a business like that, this is a great way to get cash flow underway. Getting cash flow managed actually was the key to free, freeing me up enough so that I was saying no to the, to the things I should be saying no to. Because mm-hmm. let me tell you, like in the summer when the bank account's empty and mm-hmm. somebody walks in with a not-for-profit, it's really hard to say no when you need the money, right? Yeah. So having cash flow managed where it's coming in more consistently throughout the year helped me <laughs> to say no and really, really commit to the focus. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's really smart. Yeah, I just when I learned that it was like a subscription model, I mean, I was like, that's that makes a lot of sense. But you're right. I mean, very few people are probably doing that because it is so seasonal. The industry as a whole, the whole business is very seasonal. And so yeah, that that it was like a surprise, but it also made you stand out in my mind when as a customer going like this is different. And so my expectations can be different, you know, which is a good thing, because that is actually the case. (laughs) So yeah, Okay, so I do want to get into some of the questions that I get from entrepreneurs a lot and women who are looking to start a business. I get asked all the time um, whether or not somebody needs to be an LLC, whether or not someone needs to become a corporation or be a sole proprietor. And, And a lot of times, actually, this is a whole separate thing, but people get mixed up with thinking with actually understanding what an LLC is. So I guess what I think, I don't know how you want to address all of that, but maybe you could kind of talk about like what order of events things need to happen in when someone is starting a business, what they need to do first. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to speak in generalities, you know, so there are absolutely exceptions to any of this um, Mm -hmm. because it is situational. But in general, when you're starting a business, I typically recommend the LLC as the initial structure. The reason I say that is because an LLC is a state designation. And so it actually, an LLC gets to choose how it's taxed. So by being an LLC, you're not actually changing anything about how the tax return would be prepared, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but the LLC has flexibility within it to where you can change that structure, how you're taxed later. Mm-hmm. So the LLC really is like cheap insurance, in my opinion. It's because what it provides is limited liability protection. Mm-hmm. So it's a state designation providing limited liability protection that if you just set up the LLC, you'll continue to be taxed as a sole proprietor on your personal tax return as you would have anyway had you done nothing because that is right. the default, right? Right. So but 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 if you don't have an LLC, you do have less flexibility if you discover that, oh, another entity would have been better for you for taxes and you want to maybe change that or go back to mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. You can't you're not you can't do it unless you have the LLC. So okay. LLC doesn't hurt. And, you know, it's like in Missouri, it depends on what state you're in, how expensive it is. But in Missouri, it's $50 for the, it's a one-time fee of 50 bucks. And there is no annual reporting fees in Missouri. So, I mean, such cheap insurance to protect yeah. your assets, yeah. you know. That's cheaper than Kansas, right? Isn't Kansas a little more? Kansas is a little more. I, I And I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. amount. It is um, like around 250 annual report with it. So, you know, you'll have some ongoing cost with Kansas. Mm-hmm. But even at that, you know, mm-hmm. um, depending on your, your business, some businesses aren't really, there's not much risk and mm-hmm. maybe it's not the right thing to do in the very beginning when, especially if you're just getting started and you're mm-hmm. not really making money yet. Does it matter like if you're a service or a product business or would you say it's just situational? Like is one yeah. always the case or is it is it more based on what you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it's really situational based on what you're doing and the the kind of industry you're in and whether there's risk. And then you just have to assess for yourself, well, if you feel like it's risky or not, you know. I mean, lawsuits can happen in just about any industry, Mm -hmm. um, you know. So, and it also kind of depends on like, do you have personal assets that you care about protecting? You Mm -hmm. know, if if I'm renting my, you know, apartment or house, 
it might not be as big of a deal than if I own it, you know, cause then right. I want to protect it. And for so. anyone that doesn't know the LLC protects, can you explain it protects you from being yes. sued for your, all of your assets, right? Yes. There are some other things that have to be in place for the LLC to, you know, be, be recognized. Mm-hmm. But if you have an LLC and you're doing those things, which again, this is kind of why you need some help usually mm-hmm. with that. Um, but uh, typically, you know, it would, you would basically, if somebody were to sue you, they could only come after the assets that are within the LLC and not your personal assets. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's my business bank account and some inventory and that's it. That's all that, that if someone were to sue me could, could mm-hmm. get, or if I defaulted on a debt within the business, then the creditors could only get those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I maybe, you know, like I might own a house and, and have quite a bit of equity in it. And I want to, I don't want to lose my house to the business mm-hmm. because of a lawsuit or something. So mm-hmm. that protects it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. And then, so deciding on tax classification, I know this is not the most entertaining thing to talk about, but you are the expert. So I've only ever been a sole proprietorship, so I don't really know much about switching, but does everybody start out a sole proprietorship or do some businesses need to start out a corporation? If so, is there like, how do they, how will they know they need to meet with a tax professional to tell them, is there some sort of like indicator that they would recognize within their business or their income that would, would be obvious? Hmm. That's, that's a great question. Normally most businesses do start out as a sole proprietorship small one person owner businesses, mm-hmm. especially if they're not profitable right away. Sometimes it takes a while to get the business off the ground, you know. When it's appropriate, if you have more than one owner, then you would have to structure differently as you could not be a sole proprietorship. So you would either be the default would be a partnership. Mm-hmm you know, which would require like a part, you know, partnership agreements, highly recommended having a agreement for how things would get uh, divvied up if the partnerships liquidated along with ownership interests and how profits get split Mm -hmm. and also who's responsible for what, you know, those, so there's, you know, more, there's more to think about when you're a partnership with corporations. I mean, I, I just in general, a C corporation and an S corporation are your choices and a C corporation is its own entity completely separate from the owner and must be treated that way. And it's also subject to double taxation. So there could be reasons to do the C corporation if you need to keep it separate. For But again, it, it really is a holistic approach to determining that. And mm-hmm. it's not typically what small business owners would do. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, that that's not, you know, that would be a very specific, for a very specific reason that a C corporation would be set up. Um, and again, that you would need help from a professional to determine. Uh, but if you don't have any special circumstances and you're just starting up a new business, you know, definitely just the sole proper, proper the partnership is normal. Normally, in most circumstances, it's appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. The S corporation is an, a little different. Um, it's not its, I mean, it is its own entity. So it does protect your assets. But the income will flow through onto your personal return and only get taxed once is one of the big differences there. Uh, And then there can be some tax savings and benefits from the S corporation. And it typically is with self-employment tax, which is like FICA. Um, That's your Social Security and Medicare that gets paid in. The S corporation is a vehicle that a lot of business owners will use once they're profitable to 
minimize or reduce the amount of FICA taxes that are paid in. So, okay. Thanks for going through that. I know that's yeah. like, a, that's a lot to listen to, but I think it's, it's important if you own a business that you kind of have some understanding of, of what you're doing, uh, because I didn't for a lot of years. Yeah. So for the person who is like, I am just getting started. Like for instance, my sister, she's just now starting to do um, wedding flowers for events. And she's like, I need to get an LLC. I need to do all this stuff. What do, who do I talk to? How do I do this? What would you say to that person who's just like gotten their first job, just gotten paid, you know, realizing, okay, I'm maybe going to do something with this. Um, what are the most important things they do starting off? I always say the absolute most important thing to do is to have a separate bank account for the business from the beginning if possible. But mm-hmm. if, if not, just as soon as you realize that this is going to be something you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. what'll happen is in the future, it'll really save you on a lot of headache. Uh, because if you're intermingling personal with business, when you're trying to figure out your income and expenses later, you know, it's very difficult. And, and oftentimes what happens is clients miss the deductions because, you know, uh, I could go to Target and buy personal items or I could go to Target and buy some office supplies and who, I'm not going to remember later what I did, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it'll help you to make sure you get everything. And so it's really just like from the beginning, training yourself to all have two debit cards in your wallet, use the business for business and the personal for personal get them at the same account a lot of times that or the same bank. I mean, get the Mm -hmm. accounts at the same bank. A lot of times it makes it easier so you can transfer money around. So, you know, most people, what happens in their mind is they're at the store, they're ready to buy something for the business, but I don't have enough money in the business account. So I'm going to use my personal account. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have them at the same bank and now with you hop on your phone and you Mm -hmm. transfer the money and you can now use the business debit card to buy it and just move the money around. Yeah. Same, same with the other way around, you know, too. So that way you have clean bank statements. So at the end of the year, you can look at your bank statements and everything in there is for the business. And you're not asking the question later, was that business or personal? That's where I get the bookkeeping. gets very difficult. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's one thing. There's other reasons to do it. I mean, I will tell you, it will protect your, it'll save you in a, in an IRS audit typically to have your, have it separated out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I won't get into the details of that, but I have seen where that's really hurt somebody in an audit to have it intermingled. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll make, it'll make it, you know, less obvious to an auditor that that's definitely a business expense and mm-hmm. it will increase the likelihood of losing your business expenses. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll also protect you because the LLC might not stand if you're intermingling your funds. So again, the LLC is to protect your personal assets, but if you're intermingling personal and business, that can basically pierce that veil or, or you know, remove that protection. Um, so there's lots of reasons to keep them separate. And that's usually the first thing I'd say to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then second, because I've learned this the hard way is that if you have more than one business to have a separate bank account for each of them. Yes, definitely. It's <laughs> yeah. another one. Yeah, this that is you the taught me. one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Not that I've ever done that. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody, I mean, lots of people do that. It's yeah. very common. And, um, but yes, absolutely. Again, mm-hmm. for bookkeeping, for 
for tax preparation for, and, you know, for your own management of the business too. Mm -hmm. These are, these are all, it's a win-win. I mean, you know, it's really not, have you found that it's that difficult to keep it all separate in separate bank accounts? No, I mean, it's easier. It's just uh, the biggest challenge for me actually has been that finding the right bank because yeah, Mm -hmm. we switched to an online only bank initially. And then when I separated out um, a new business bank account, realized, oh yeah, but I also need to have a personal one there, but we haven't switched our like original personal over to the new bank as well. So the transferring money thing is still mm. not easy for me. It takes several days. And so right. I, we are in that spot where we need to switch everything over to the same bank because it's too mm-hmm. big of a hassle. And I don't like having that sense of anxiety when I'm going to purchase, like, where is the money? You know, I don't know like yes. which account it's in that I need it. Um, and so I don't, yeah, right. I would say that's a good, that's a really good pointer and it is such a pain to switch banks. Like it has just been a nightmare. Like the newest one that I switched to, actually, they make you wait three months before you can do mobile deposits. And so I haven't, uh-huh. whenever I have a check, I have to go physically to the branch and yes. get in line, all that, which is just, you know, I know it's a first right. world problem, but we're it's, spoiled now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why did I ever switch? And I switched from Bank of America, which I don't feel sad about at all. But at the same point, I'm like, this has been such a nightmare that I'm like, was it even worth it? So, yes. yes. Um, man, it's been hard. Any recommendations on banks or is it just, do you say local or national or does it matter? Oh, you know, I always, you know, just my own personal um, perspective is it's, it's great to support the local economy and the the smaller local bank um, Mm -hmm. if you can. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that doesn't work because they don't have the technology where it needs to be Mm -hmm. um, for your needs, but it's getting better even with small banks now. So Mm -hmm. Some that have worked well, I mean, because the things you have to kind of think about is, is it going to work with the accounting software? You know, is my accountant going to, if you're going to outsource bookkeeping, is my accountant going to be able to work well with that bank? You know, mm-hmm. um, so a couple that have worked well for us, um, Commerce Bank has been a good one, Platte Valley Bank, those two have worked well with mm-hmm. things that we're using. So, okay. So local, start local, see if they work with the software that you need and kind of go yeah. out from there. You got it. And I think the big thing is if you're going to use QuickBooks to be sure that they're going to um, sync well, you know, mm-hmm. s- be able to do the online banking sync with the QuickBooks online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the concept of, you know, I, I've heard this from, I don't even know how many people, lots of people have asked, like, at what point do I have to pay taxes? Like, oh, it's when it's like 10,000, right? I've heard just random numbers all over the place. Can you set us straight at what number of income or revenue, like net revenue, do you have to pay taxes? So every individual can make up to $12,000 and um, they're, they're not required to file if they make 12000 or less because the standard deduction is $12,000 now. This is an 18. This It was a lower number before. It was 6300 okay. in 2017, but with the new laws change, uh, we're at 12,000. Mm-hmm. So that really is, I mean, that's for an individual. If you're married, it's double that 24,000. Okay. And that's like, that's the easy answer. Or that's okay. the, so that's, that's the, the number. All right. I'm going to try and remember that. Where would I have heard a number like $600? 600 is the, it, it, for if, if you have paid uh, an individual, um, your business 
has paid an individual, or even if you individually have paid another individual for services or Mm -hmm. products or whatever, then, and it's over $600, then you are required to issue a 1099. Okay. That's where I'm getting that from then. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. That that's good. Good to know. Um, what is the number one mistake that you see people make with their business? And maybe you've already mentioned it yeah. with the bank account thing, or if there's I don't know if there's anything else that you have noticed. It, you know, I think actually I would say it is, and again, I I would say this is is not the fault of business owners because there has been some misinformation provided through marketing efforts. You know. But we have in the United States a double entry accounting system that most business owners are not fully aware of. And so the single-sided accounting system would be keeping track of revenues, you know, your sales Mm -hmm. and your expenses. Well, Haley, you and I know that any Smojo can figure out sales minus expenses, right? Mm -hmm. So here's where the disconnect happens between accountants and um, their clients. Finally, this has taken me a long time to even get to this point, but I finally have an explanation for this. So most business owners are thinking, why would I pay someone else to do revenue and expenses? Anybody can do that, right? Mm -hmm. And I would agree with you if that, if that's what, if that was how our accounting system worked. But Generally accepted accounting principles were put into place so that there's verification within the system, Mm -hmm. so that there's checks and balances, so that there someone could look at financials and, you know, determine that there's a re it's reasonable that these financials are correct. Right. It doesn't mean that every mistake would be found through this system, but it does, you know, that's why we have debits and credits and it balances. So many mistakes would be found and corrected, and we would know that we could feel that there is some assuredness that it's correct. Okay. And so um, the double entry accounting system has not just sales minus expenses, which is what a profit and loss statement is, but it also includes the, an accounting equation, which is assets equals liabilities plus owner's equity. That's all found on the balance sheet. And the two financials together balance, and that's the double entry accounting system that's in place that, that, that I can look at or banks can look at, creditors can look at you know, investors can look at and determine that they, f- they feel confidence in, in these statements. So it, it's just that it's kind of like, you know, thing, business owners have not been given the, all the information. Mm-hmm. And so they're making a decision that it's not worth it. They don't value outsourcing the books or, or having a CPA involved and, and things like that because they, they don't understand that piece. Mm-hmm. And, what I'm doing with clients now is getting them to that place and then showing them the power of the numbers, mm-hmm. what the numbers do really actually tell you and the power inside of those. Because now, once you know where you're at, you can now set goals and you can meet those goals. You know, it's just like if you're putting, putting coordinates in a GPS system, if I don't know where I'm at, how am I ever going to get, if I want to go to Hawaii, but I don't know where I'm at, I have really no hope of getting there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But once I know but where like, I'm at. Anyone can fly a plane. I know how to, yeah. you know, anyone can drive straight. Well, you're like, yeah, but Anybody. where are you going? Yes. You know? Yes. yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, uh, and, and I mean, I'm guilty of that because I think, you know, although I did have an accountant, I didn't have a bookkeeper for many years. And so I kind of had this idea because of how my accountant worked. He really just wanted me to turn in the profit and loss at the end of the year. And I'm like, well, I can do that. I know how much I made. I know much, how much I lost or expense spent. And then, so I'm going to come up with my net number. Here's what I'm going to get taxed on. Here's what I'm going to owe. And that to me was as some, that, that was it. That was like, that was what I was concerned with. Um, now, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm like kind of simplifying his process. I know that he was doing what his job was, but because there wasn't, there wasn't a, a stronger grasp on the numbers throughout the year by, by using a bookkeeper and really someone to report back to me. And I certainly wasn't doing that job myself. So that's on me. I, you know, if somebody would have asked me at any given point, like what, what's your year to date revenue right now? I could have been like, well, it's around this, but I couldn't have given them an ac- accurate number. So I had no idea, like you're saying of like, am I where I want to be? Am I where I should be? Do I have the right m- amount of money saved? Or maybe I have a lot of extra money and I could be investing in this other way in my business, but I don't even know it because I I don't have transparency or clarity on the numbers. And so, yeah, well, and Haley, I would say like the the old business model that, you know, he was inside of Mm -hmm. would then the end result for the client would have been a tax return. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that was, that was the, it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the product. Mm-hmm. And so in his model and that model, it's take on as many individual tax return, tax returns that I can take on. So that I stay busy enough and have, you know, have mm-hmm. money coming in. And then I've got, now I've got a thousand clients that are all getting a tax return. Mm-hmm. And that's a fine business model. It works, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the, but that is a great example of how model is different. Yeah. So we don't take the volume on, but we provide more in-depth services. So now I'm not just trying to get a return. I am trying to help my client. My goal is to help them reduce their taxes and have a plan and even do business, help them to succeed in their business and some coaching and, you know, just kind of, it just naturally flows into that as we're working together. Cause now they got the information, the numbers, and they can start to think, think along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, what we're talking about, like, just in case anybody isn't clear is, is the traditional model, which you are likely using. If you're listening, you are likely using that model, not the one that Rebecca uses in her business. So it's something to think about that, you know, that what you might be missing in that model. Now you might, you may already have a bookkeeper and that's like, if you do, and you kind of have all your ducks in a row, then that's good for you. You're further ahead than many entrepreneurs, but I'm afraid that the reality is that that many of us are really not doing the due diligence on our books or to know what our numbers are and to actually have a professional verifying the work that we may feel like we're doing. Because yeah, I mean, I, I went through the nightmare of it when I sold the business and realized that it was all the way back in June that I first realized I've got to get help. I am, this is not, I mean, I even have a business minor took a took a accounting class took a finance class understood checks and balances and the balance sheet and I and I had to do those you know I had to take those tests but that was over 10 years ago and I certainly don't remember you know and it's like that isn't my everyday it doesn't make me an expert like just because like you're saying just because I can um, use QuickBooks or categorize a transaction doesn't make me an expert just because someone can sign up for a free WordPress dot 
org or I'm sorry, .com site and start building a website doesn't make them a professional web developer, right? It's like, you can start a blog. Yes, you're capable of going and doing that. It doesn't mean you will be able to make it as awesome as I can, you know? And so um, and anyways, it's just, it's funny yeah. how I, I do think it's one of those industries where everyone thinks that they're like capable and like maybe as, as capable as the professionals. Um, and I just would have to disagree. You know, I, I, yeah, that takes education. I mean, people just don't, they don't value yeah. it because they don't know. And I yeah. totally understand that. And so really my model is I want to provide huge mm-hmm. value for clients. And now that I'm seeing clients saving, you know, on average $10,000 a year in taxes, you know, they're seeing the value and trust me, they don't mind paying for the bookkeeping when they're saving that much money. You know, yeah. I, I always say, let, let me pay for myself. Let yeah. me pay for myself and then a lot more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you, and you cut out a little bit, you said $10,000 is your average savings that you're seeing. Right. I'm seeing on average about $10,000 in tax savings per client. And a lot wow. of times that's year after year. So wow. it, it really adds up. Yeah. It's, that's it's amazing. Uh, well, my, my clients are very, very happy yeah. uh, with the results. So yeah. You told me you hadn't had one client that you hadn't paid for yourself. And I'm like, well, that's most, most service industries can't say like most service professionals can't say that. Like, I mean, even as a web developer, I can't promise that, you know, it like your business, like does, it depends on a lot more than just your website, but I can't come in and be like, I promise you that I'm, you're not going to, you know, you're going to make this money back in one year. Like I, I, Usually, of course, that would be the case, but I, I definitely can't make that kind of promise. So it's pretty impressive right. that you're able to do that. Yeah. So wrapping up, do you have any outside of work? Do you kind of have any life hacks or favorite things that make your life easy or simple? So it could be it could be in regards to work or just like your everyday life. Oh, absolutely. I, I will say probably one of the the biggest game changers for me has been having a morning routine, mm-hmm. and you know it can be different different for each person. Mine's mine changes a little bit, you know, here and there, but only after I evaluate it and decide that it needs to be different. Mm-hmm. But I do, you know, have a morning routine that supports me to be at my best every day, you know. And so, you know, it involves um some some time in silence, you know, I it involves some time to exercise. It involves, you know, some time for writing. Uh, it's really, if you've ever heard of, uh, let's see, what's it called now? It's the Miracle Morning. Have you ever heard of that book? I, I don't think so. Yeah. So that is kind of my, what I follow for mm-hmm. my morning routine. And he's, cool. uh, Hal, Hal Elrod is the author. And he he just he really offers a great motivation for and how important the morning routine is and i mm-hmm. found it to be hugely a game changer for me in my in my life and in my day um the other thing i would say that i do now that has also made life what it's made life really smooth and easy in a way i had no idea was possible before but that is to set aside i have a yearly i create annual goals and like and i actually spend like two full days doing my strategy for for the next year, like in December around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And then I break it down by month and I actually have all this on my calendar and I have time a day, maybe like four hours in a day where I do my month strategy, you know, and then I have a weekly review of, and I review my week. And what I'm doing is I'm choosing like, well, what do I want my lifestyle to be like? And that's, you know, the overall vision Mm -hmm. and my goal and my each month I might focus on a different aspect, Mm -hmm. you know, then I'm looking at my tasks that I'm doing for the week and saying, okay, now does that all line up with what I want? 
Am right. I, if I want to have better relationships, am I spending enough time with my friends? Am I, yeah. you know, if I want to, or family or whoever, you know, if I, I want to feel better, I want to have, you know, feel, feel, I want to be able to get up in the morning and feel good. What am I eating <laughs> this week? Mm-hmm. You know? And anyway, it's been a game changer for me because just, you would think, gosh, that's a lot of time, Rebecca, you know, two full yeah. days and four hours a month and every week, you know, come on, nobody, I don't have time for that. I found actually that I'm way more productive by just doing that. And I'm loving my life so much more because yeah. I'm choosing how I'm going to spend my time ahead of time. And literally when I get up on Monday morning, I've already made all the decisions for the week and I can just go, you know, and there's yeah. something really, really wonderful about that feeling of, I can get up and just go. That's no cool. decisions. All decisions are made and I'm loving my life. Yeah, that's a really, that's good. That's inspiring. Maybe that initial like push for resolutions has died down and people are like, okay, but I still, I, I got to, can't forget about the goals. Maybe they didn't happen in the first week, but there's still time. And I, I would say start now. Yes. And I'm glad you said that because an important piece in my routine is that I spend time every week at the end of the week celebrating mm-hmm. what I've accomplished. And I think it's something that a lot of us don't do enough. We're quick to beat ourselves up for not hitting the mark, but we forget to give ourselves the pat on the back. Yeah, absolutely. That that is important. And then finally, um, what do you do for fun? Oh gosh. Um, So (laughs) right now, currently I'm doing improv. Oh, Um, awesome. Odd thing for an accountant to do maybe, but it, it it gives me, it's my two hours a week that I can just play, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it really is helping to um, use the other side of my brain because, of course, I'm very analytical in my day-to-day mm-hmm. uh, work. And then if I, I'm going there and I have to really, it, and it takes something for me to do this, but really st- I have to stay very present, very connected to other people and be able to really think on my feet and be creative. And so mm-hmm. I'm, it's really stretching me and it's really, it's really fun. I mean, it's like two hours awesome. of being a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm doing currently. There's lots of things I, I do. I, I like to go horseback riding. Um, I, you know, I have a motorcycle that I'll ride sometimes. Oh my gosh. That <laughs> I did not know. You and my husband could go on rides together. He has a motorcycle. Uh, awesome. <laughs> I would, yeah. I, I'm, I don't do a lot. Like, I don't go on trips or anything. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit conservative with it, but yeah, right. I do have fun with it. So yeah. Uh, well, he goes on trips. He has a new one. He has one coming up in, I think, April. So he goes wow. a couple yeah. times a year with friends, but they do off-roading. So they're not like, they don't really. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. he could ride to work, but he doesn't. He just, yeah, which is fine with me. I'm like, that's okay. I, off-roading is actually safer because there's no traffic. So very <laughs> true. <fine>. Yes. <laughs> um, and then last question for you is how do you rest? Because all this work, I mean, mm-hmm. like you just said, you're, you are like mentally on, you know, for so many clients and um, the work you do is very mentally taxing. I play on words yeah. there. Um, so how do you rest? Um, okay. So when I do my yearly plan, I, I block off the vacation time and that time is sacred. Like I Mm. cannot work during that time. So I plan that out ahead of time. And I, you know, I think it's important to take some time, you know, every quarter, Mm. even if it's just a long weekend or something to get away from it, Mm. away from whatever. And, and, you know, I tend to be very busy just because that's the way my work is. So I tend to do the same thing at home. Mm -hmm. So like just really taking like a long weekend and no work, you know, Mm -hmm. is very important for a recharge. Yeah. Um, And then I also have realized how important sleep is. And so I always 
for the, I'd say 90% of the time, there's always an occasional day that I don't get as much sleep as I'd like, but I really make a point to get eight hours. And so for mm-hmm. some people, they maybe don't need eight hours, but for me, that's just that sweet spot mm-hmm. um, that helps me to be at my best and yeah. it's worth it to get yeah. the get sleep a good night's is, sleep. You can't, yeah, you can't make up for sleep. I mean, no amount of coffee really does, does it for me. No. Um, my husband needs less sleep than I do, which I didn't really realize until recently. Cause I feel like he's been getting less and less sleep for some reason. Well, cause he's been getting up earlier and then, but I like physically like my body, I don't even remember turning the alarm off. If I didn't get seven hours, that's my minimum. Yeah. My body like won't won't even turn on. So it's, yeah, it is different for each of us. And I think it's really important to know what you need and to be respectful of that and not like drive yourself into the ground. So yes, yeah, that's key for entrepreneurs. So Rebecca, where do people connect with you online and find you if, you know, if they need to talk or want to, want to talk to you about like working with you in their business? Um, what, what are the next steps and where can they connect? So my business name is Strategic Tax Partner, and my website is uh, strategictaxpartner.com. Um, so you can you can find me there and check me out a little bit. You can, if you're interested in exploring further, then we offer a free tax discovery session, and it takes about 30 minutes. And we can, you know, do do that in my office, or if you're not local or you'd, you'd like to do a virtual meeting, we can do that as well. And it's really just a 30-minute uh, meeting to explore the possibility of working together. And, you know, again, not every client's the right fit for us, and we're, we're okay with that. But we want to be sure that, that we would be the right fit for you and that you would be the right fit for us uh, before we mm-hmm. jump into this thing. So we, uh, we want to date a little bit first. We want to get mm-hmm. to know you and what your needs are. And so, you know, we, we usually ask that you maybe bring a, a copy of your prior year tax return so I can really speak more to your situation. You'll get more value from the meeting that way. And um, then we'll go from there. If, 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 that, if it sounds like this is something that's workable and, and a good fit, then uh, we have about a 30 to 90 day onboarding process that will take you through to get you um, into our system and get you started and show you, show you the next steps and all of that. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So you can find that all at our website and I'll link to it in the show notes as well. So you can grab those links online. Um, thank you. Write it down. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your, your uh, wisdom on all of this. It's definitely, I mean, just the burden that it's removed from me and not having to worry about how I'm going to find the time or the intelligence to do what you do is like, I mean, you know, nearly, nearly priceless. So I'm just, I'm grateful to have found you and excited to keep working with you. Awesome. Haley, I'll say our our tagline is freeing the entrepreneur to thrive and taking those burdens away from clients has definitely been a big part of our passion. But thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. It was was a blast. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that episode was informative and interesting and uh, just amps you up to find your niche and look at the ways that you can use your own distinct and unique abilities and skills to recognize that you have something unique and uh, distinct from everybody else in your market, even if you feel it's totally flooded and saturated. And sometimes it just takes tweaking a few things to find the niche that you need to be in. 
Next week, I'm going to be chatting with Meg Clark of Clapping Dog Media, and she is an SEO expert. So again, for those of you with businesses or making any sort of income on the side, you're going to find that episode like solid gold. She is going to share with us her story as well as what we need to know about SEO. And you heard earlier that I was sharing about her masterclass coming up on February 28th. So don't forget to sign up for that. It's only $74 with a $25 off coupon, uh, SEOmadesimple.co. And you will get to hear from Meg directly next week when I interview her on Kindled. I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you next week.